IR is distinct from what you might call international history. International history is, I think, defined very well uh, by sort of a, a favorite figure of mine uh, from the 18th century, Friedrich Schiller, um, who articulated that sort of statement of purpose, uh, which that the international historian must select from the stream of events those that exercise an essential, unmistakable, and easily comprehensible influence on the present shape of the world and the situation of the contemporary generation. This is, I think, a basically worthwhile pursuit. International relations sort of is a parody of this discipline. It's, it, it's, it's the dubious science of taking these efforts to explain why events happen and treating them like, well, a hard science with sort of very set down and universalizable theories. I'll go through some of the basics. I, I'm going to get to the paper in a few minutes. I just want to talk about the discipline a little bit in general. So realist, quote unquote, realist theories um, and I say this with a capital R. I'm not saying they're more realistic than others. It's just this is what they call themselves because they all have brainworms. Realist theories suggest that states basically interact in such a way where they're paranoid about one another because um, the entire international sphere is about survival of the fittest. Um, because so the core contention of international relations that sort of makes it different from um, international history, other than just its um, sort of reliance on theory is that it conceives of this sphere called the international uh, that is distinct from others, you know, national, individual, and so on. And the international system is particularly distinct because unlike any other realm of human existence, it's anarchic. Now, it doesn't mean it's chaotic, but it means that a group of basically like objects, so states, are interacting with one another, largely making up the rules as they go along based on their power to do so. There's no cop. You can't call 911 on the United States because, you know, who are you going to call? <laughs> so to speak, you know, in, in global politics, there is no, there's no police force. There's no recourse. You're basically there helping yourself. And if you can't help yourself, then someone else is going to help themselves to what you have. Um, so, you know, how do you punish the USA if it commits a crime against Cuba? How do you call it a crime, moreover, if there are no rules? Uh, so that's actually, that's the one bit of international relations that I think is interesting, which is, it is this, it is the only study of modern, if you like, modern officially recognized bodies that are interacting with no legitimate, no fully legitimate system outside them. I say fully legitimate, not to mean like, you know, the laws of the United States are legitimate, but they're widely believed to be legitimate. And, and, and international relations, it's all kind of contested. It's the, it's the murkiest place um, in politics. That's actually kind of interesting. But with their commitment to keeping their discipline sort of having the trappings of science and having the trappings of objectivity, it's basically got the same disease that's rendered modern analytic philosophy a more or less useless discipline, increasingly concerned as it is with navel-gazing and debating how many angels can dance in the head of a pin. Uh, so let's go through a couple of the sort of meta-theories. So there are realist-type theories. And I don't mean they're more realistic than others, but they've been called realist because they are all about conflict and how cooperation fails because they're about states being paranoid about one another. I think the fact that they're called realist actually gives a sense of like how, just how little these people really think that any kind of better world is possible. They're very, very cynical, very, very game theory oriented. Like It all comes out of the Rand Corporation and the work of, uh, of, of Nash, 
on game theory. They see, they see the world in terms of betrayals. And even the fact that like the other schools of international relations accept the fact the um the the title that this one school is the realists you know it's it it sort of it betrays the this this feeling that well even the liberals just sort of think that they're failures this is not very different from sort of how most liberals act anyway so realist theories are all about um looking at the way states interact in terms of uh, absolute versus relative gains if i'm going to strike a deal with you and i gain and you gain a little bit more I won't strike that deal because you're going to might use that little bit more to kill me. And states that are mistrustful of others don't get killed because they're more cautious. It's basically Darwin. Um, and some one of the sort of more popular, if you like, applied thinkers. So like there are theorists. There are guys like Kenneth Waltz or John Mearsheimer, who um, international relations scholars who are listening to this or people who've done useless mat- like degrees like I have. Well, like, oh, I know who those people are. Of course, there are there are you know, IR 101. But most people have never heard of them because they're not really relevant. Except, of course, to the people who make the policies that kill almost everyone. Um, these guys are the, the eggheads in the ivory tower. They just sort of write and they might advise an occasional president, but they mainly just do the thinking. An, a more interesting example of a realist is a guy called George Kennan. Um, now, Kennan was a, um, a, a figure in the State Department throughout the uh, middle of the 20th century. And he was, you know, a fucking absolute ghoul. He was like a little junior Kissinger. Um, and he defined the, or he helped define the uh, Truman Doctrine of containing the Soviet Union. Uh, and he sent this famous missive called the Long Telegram, called the Sources of Soviet Conduct, where he basically sort of was hand-wringing that the Soviets were, well, actually have a selection from it. So he says... The main element of any United States policy toward the Soviet Union must be a long-term, patient but firm and vigilant containment of Russian expansive tendencies. Soviet pressure against the free institutions of the Western world is something that can be contained by the adroit and vigilant application of counterforce at a series of constantly shifting geographical and political points corresponding to the shifts and maneuvers of Soviet policy, but which cannot be charmed or talked out of existence. So there are a few sort of there's a lot going on in that one sort of relatively prominent passage from the long telegram. Number one is that the, it, it having a sort of this realist theory of international relations sort of defined by all of these eggheads who no one cares about. George Kennan had a language where he could say that, well, the Russians are naturally expansive. And so we must regrettably be expansive. It's the language of the U.S. being unfortunately dragged into wars. It doesn't really want to fight. The idea that, oh, the U.S. has gotten bogged down in Vietnam. Oh, no, we've, we've been forced to sort of, you know, um, build missiles and point them at Cuba. At, we've been forced to, um, you know, arm the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. Oh, no, we didn't want to do all this, but we had to. Um, <clears throat> And you can just see it's, it's this firm but vigilant containment of Russian expansive tendencies. So, well, they're, not, they're violent. We must be equally violent. It's, it, 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 it prevents even the possibility of talking about detente because it removes the possibility of trust. Mm-hmm.